come right up here. God bless you. Father, right now we ask that your presence will be upon this family even as we dedicate this child to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Dearly beloved, the godly human task of developing a personality after the birth of a child is the most delicate and serious work to which a person is called. A loving home environment affects a child in a thousand ways for good. As the child grows, he or she, in this case he, may receive the spiritual life of his parents as a rose drinks in the sunlight. God will, have access if you, God will have access to your child if you keep the doors of your own lives open to the Lord. If your child does not absorb the beautiful sense of God during the first critical period of the development of his personality, usually he will find the sense of God dim when he is grown up and much more difficult to acquire. From your example, your son must learn to pray. From your example, he must learn to read and love God's word, the Bible. And from your example, he must learn the way of fellowship with Jesus Christ. Your son is a gift from God. Your son is a gift from God. Psalm 127 verse 3 reads, Behold, children are the gift of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is the Lord's reward. As believers, we are called to recognize that children belong first and foremost to God. God and his goodness gives children as gifts to parents. Parents don't only have the awesome responsibility of caring for this gift, but also the wonderful privilege of enjoying this gift. Because children belong to God and are given by grace as gifts to parents, it is only proper and appropriate that children be dedicated back to the Lord who gave the child in the first place. We are told in 1 Samuel chapter 1 that Hannah presented her son Samuel to the Lord. Luke chapter 2 verse 22 we read that Mary and Joseph brought their baby Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem in order to present him before the Lord. And in the same way, these parents today bring their son presenting first themselves and then their son before the Lord our God. Accompanying them and making this commitment are godparents and grandparents, as well as anybody else who is standing behind you. I call your attention, parents, I'm assuming that you two are the parents. <laughs> to the commands of God recorded in the Holy Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 7, verse 4 to 7 tells us, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give you today to be upon your hearts and to impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. 
Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Instead, bring your children up in the discipline and in the instruction of the Lord. God's instructions are very plain. Having come freely, I ask you now that you enter into the following commitment in the presence of God and his people. So here is the charge and here is the question. So that your child may walk in the abundant life that Christ offers, do you as parents promise by God's help and in partnership with the church to provide your child a Christian home of love and peace to raise your child or your son in the truth of the Lord's instruction and discipline? And do you promise to encourage your child to one day trust Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? If so, please respond with the words we do. And to grandparents? Okay, very good. You look too young to be a grandmother. (laughs) Modeling this kind of love cannot be done alone. For this reason, parents call upon the help of others, and now I direct my questions to you. By coming forward before God and his people, do you hereby declare your desire by God's help to encourage these parents to support their effort to raise this child in the fear of the Lord to pray for them? And if anything should happen to these parents, assume the responsibility in helping their child to receive our Lord's guidance and instructions. If so, please respond with the words we do. What is the name of your child? Paxton. Paxton Nolan. Very good. Paxton means peace town. And Nolan means champion. And so I want to bless your child at this time. Point your hand in this direction as I bless him. No, you can stay. Turn to me. (laughs) Father, we bless Paxton Nolan. We bless him to be a man of peace when he gets older, a man of shalom, a man who lives in the rest of God. Lord, right now, He is in the form of a child, a baby. But you see him as a toddler. You see him as a preteen. You see him as a teenager. You see him as an adult. You see him as a husband. You see him as a father. You see him. You see his future, and you see his present as if it's all one moral. So, Father, we bless him that he will be a champion who fights for others. We bless him to live in the rest of God. 
you said in your word in Hebrews, there remains a rest to the people of God and that he who has entered into God's rest will cease from doing his own works. Father, we pray right now that the Holy Spirit will hover over this child so that there will be a gravitational godly pull on the heart of this child to the things of God. Make this child, make Paxton Nolan like Samuel who has a desire for the things of God even as a young child. Father, we pray that we use him in a way that would bring glory and honor to your name. We pray that you would draw supernaturally people into his life who's supposed to encourage him into his destination for you. And in the name of Jesus, we come against every scheme of the devil, every opposing force of Satan that will try to derail him and distract him from the purpose for which you created this child. Cover this child with the precious blood of Jesus. Give him divine protection that he will live the full number of days of his life so he will fulfill the purpose for which you created him. He is not an accident. He has purpose. I pray for the wisdom of God to be upon his parents and upon his grandparents that they will that they would see this child's future through prophetic eyes, through prophetic eyes, so that no matter how this child may possibly serve to the left or to the right, that there will be a voice in this child saying, this is the way, walk in it. And so, Father, we bless Paxton Nolan. We bless Paxton Nolan, the peaceful champion in the name of Jesus to fulfill your will and to fulfill your purpose. We bless him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Can we give them a hand again? God is good. Amen. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Thank you very much, sir. I want to kind of signal to you that, uh, as you know, we're in the last quarter of this year. And in being in the last quarter of this year, I want to encourage you that in the first two weeks of November, I'm going to be speaking on a subject that will prepare you, especially you who are uh, you know, young people, and for young meaning younger than I am. Uh, I want to uh, speak to you on a subject that, that has really blessed me and guided my life. 
my, my wife, we noticed on her dashboard this, this light that kept coming on. And I, and I said, what's that light for? And she was like, well, I think it's for such and such. And so I said, well, why don't you get out the owner's manual? And she got out the owner's manual, and she saw the, the symbol. And she said, oh, the, it means the, tires, uh, uh, the tire pressure is low or off. And so when we went to the gas station and put air in the tires, all of a sudden the light went off. But the light was an indicator that uh, something was wrong with the car. And I say that to say this, that uh, for the first two weeks in November, I'm going to be speaking a message on uh, what are the indicators of knowing what God's will is. What are the indicators of knowing how God is directing you in every situation? And so I really feel it's going to be a blessing to you because I want to prepare you, prepare you for 2023. 2023 is going to be a good year. Amen. Tell somebody next to you, 2023 is going to be a good year. Now, 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 when we say it's going to be a good year, you're going to really have to be in the will of God to comprehend what God considers good. Ah, are, you, are you with me? I love honey dip. Well, my favorite, my favorite donut is, is the, the apple strudel donut. Uh-huh. At Dunkin' Donuts. It's... it's it's a pastry full of just apples. And you say, what does this have to do with what I'm about to say? Every once in a while, I'm about to buy it, and then Dunkin' Donuts does something to me that's very frustrating. They put the calories, <laughs> the calorie count under it. And so, my flesh is saying yes, and the Holy Spirit is saying, do you really need those 400 calories? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What's my point? My point is that my definition of good mm, is not God's definition of good. <laughs> mm -hmm. I didn't hear any, it's quiet in this Pentecostal church. <laughs> So, so we're, we're, as, we, as we share, we want to get, get us in a position so that when, when God does something good, even when we don't like it, even when we don't agree with it, the spirit inside of us will say, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. I'm going to give you a message that I'm glad that the Lord spoke to me when I was younger. As, that, as we said uh, in in about another uh, half hour, 45 minutes, we'll be going over to Dana Park, which is just about 100 feet to my left, and we're going to really uh, be a blessing to the community. I want to remind you that our four priorities, our four priorities are very simple. Number one, church on Sunday. We're trying our best to make this ex worship experience as, as anointed and as freshening, refreshing and as professional as possible. The second thing is children's ministry, which we have at the first service, and 
we're praying to God as we grow and get more volunteers that will have children's ministry for both services. Uh, the third thing is congregational care, meaning that we want to make sure that this is a place where everybody cares for each other. Amen. Where, where, where our goal, we don't always achieve it, but one of our goals is this, is that when we don't see you, somebody calls you. You, you, you want to go where people miss you. Because if people miss you, that means they see you. And so we want to make sure that we, we, we do that. And then finally, we want to care for our community, and that's what this, um, this harvest outreach is all about. And we have two communities that we want to care for. We want to care for the Cambridge Pork community, that is, you know, this, this area, this neighborhood, but we also want to care for the Christian community. Amen. So I'm really excited that we're partnering with uh, Central Square Church, my good friend, uh, Pastor Larry Kim. We're, we're partnering together to do the work of God. Do you know that there's, that there's no super churches in Cambridge or anywhere else? There's no it church. There are enough unbelievers in this city to fill all our churches eight, ten times. Praise the Lord. So we want to encourage you for that. Let me move quickly. Um, and then, of course, our conference, which is the end of this month with Bishop Larry Ward, my good friend, uh, and want to make sure that we are a healthy church. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, 17, and 18. If you're still with me, say amen. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Passion Translation says, let me emphasize this. As you yield, that is, as you walk in the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. When your self-life, that is, your human nature, craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, you hinder the Holy Spirit from living free within you. Mm. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings, oh, I love this. The Holy Spirit's intense cravings heals or hinders or checks your human nature from dominating you. So then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life, that is your human nature of the flesh, and the new creation life of the Holy Spirit. But when you yield, when you go, when you yield to the life of the Spirit, you will no longer be living under the law, but you will soar, be soaring above the law. I want to speak to you on a subject, let's go. Let's go. Tell the person next to you, it's time to get out of here. I don't mean here. <laughs> I mean wherever you are stuck, wherever you are in the valley of decision, wherever you are in the valley of procrastination, 
let's go. Last week and for the past few weeks, I've been talking about Isaiah. When he had an encounter with God, he said, woe. And woe is a cry of despair. Woe is a cry of grief. Woe is really an a, 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 uh, encounter of repentance. Repentance means to change your mind. Repentance means to change your direction. And so when he saw God for who he really is, he was like, woe is me. Seeing God allowed him to see who he really is. And then when he's crying out in despair and basically saying, man, I, I do not have it together, then the angel came to him with a coal of fire and said, lo, meaning that once we have a woe moment, our next response should be to get low, to humble ourselves. Why? Because the Bible says in 1 Peter, uh, James chapter 4, verse uh, 6 to 10, that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And grace is sometimes we uh, mistake, we, we, we mix up grace with mercy. They are two different things. Mercy is when I don't get what I deserve. Mercy is when you did something wrong and you plead to your mom or dad, please don't beat me. And you know you deserve the whipping, but they didn't give you one. Praise the Lord. Everybody's like, is, you know, social services here. And there's some... How many of you, you know, can we, can we talk? How, how many of you purposely walked into sin? I mean, you, the, I mean, the Holy Spirit was convicting you. The Holy Spirit said no, and you did it anyways. Can I get a witness out there? Okay, okay, thank God for the four of you. Let's do it this way. How many of you, when you went to get a second helping and the Holy Spirit said, that's enough, but you still did it anyways? Can I get a, okay, oh, there's more sinners. Okay, praise the Lord. And, and, and my point is, is that you did it anyways, and God in his mercy didn't allow you to suffer the consequences of your disobedient behavior. Can I get an amen for that? You went out with friends that you shouldn't have gone out with and found yourself in a whole heap of trouble, and God in his mercy just plucked you out. The Bible says that in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16, that we can go to the throne of grace and obtain mercy. Mercy, mm, this is my definition of mercy, and this is how I pray now. Mercy is when God simply cleans up my mess. Can I get a witness? Have you had, put, put up both hands, like, like God just clean up my mess. And this is, God is so good, 
He will clean up your mess as if you never made a mess. Woo! Oh, he's a bad God. He doesn't leave stains. He doesn't leave memories of your mess. He cleans it up perfectly. But grace is when you get favor, when you get stuff you don't deserve. When you, when, grace is when, sometimes you can get grace and mercy. What do you mean? Meaning, ah, oh, can I talk to some students? Meaning when you didn't do the studying that you should have got, been doing. Can I get a witness out there? And your grade should have been a mess. Huh. But instead, you next thing you know, you got, woo, 4.0, 3. Hey, that, that's favor. That's favor. And, and, and so when you look at grace, the technical definition of grace, the, the Greek definition of grace is this. God's influence on the heart and, and the reflection of that influence through your life. God's influence in your heart and his reflection in your life. Well, God just does things in your heart. He puts faith in your heart. See, you need to understand that, that some of the faith you have to obtain things that, that are beyond your reach, God put the faith there. Some of us are taking credit for faith that belongs to God. That God, have you ever found yourself believing stuff, believing that God would do something, and you have no idea how you, why you believe it, but you just believe it. It is God who's put it there so that you can obtain the things that you would never attain on your own. And so there's a grace, and, and, and the point is, is that when you humble yourself, when you, and humble does not mean walk around with your head down. Humble means to recognize your shortcomings. Recognize that, that Romans, not Romans, John chapter 15, verse 5, needs to be the theme of your life. John 15, verse 5, needs to be the theme of your life. I'm going to say it again, not for you to respond, but for you to remember. John 15, verse 5, must be the theme of your life. Without him... You can do nothing, no thing. Do not ever get in a situation where you say, oh, I got this, I don't need to pray. Because there is a way that seems right. But the end of that way could lead to death. Mm. Oh, I, I'll, I'll save that for November. Okay, we did this in the first service, and so I'm just giving an illustration. So don't get up all in your feelings. No boo, we're just doing illustration. Now some of you are gonna be obedient, disobedient and boo anyways. I said, it's just an illustration. Say that with me. It's just an illustration. Okay, those online can say it with me. It's just an illustration. Turn to the person next to you and say, Okay, the person who I know of who, who says let's go and screams that out with passion is this gentleman, okay? okay. Now, oh, you all obedient. But some of you are under your breath like, boo, 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 boo. <laughs> but but look, usually somewhere when the game's about to start, he says, let's go. 
In other words, practice is over. Let's get it on. No, we, we did the practice. We, no, no more practice. No more procrastination. Let's go. And I believe God is saying, you had your woe, you had your low, it's time to get going. Too many of us, uh, uh, what I call, too many of us are, are, are worshiping in what I call the cathedral of procrastination. Where we just, we just need eight and ten confirmations and God is saying, it's time to get going. When you have your woe, when you humble yourself, now it's time to go. Let me give you a few illustrations and I'll close this out. And so we have, for example, the case of Moses. He is, he is walking, doing his, his doing life, taking care of sheep. Now Moses, you need to understand, he's moved from living in opulence, living in the 1%. Living in, in this realm of the, the, the most uh, glamorous uh, lifestyle. And now, for 40 years, he is the prince of Egypt. And now he is a shepherd living in the desert. And he's doing his daily duties of taking care of sheep. And all of a sudden, he sees, you know, so he sees a burning bush. And, he, and he's wondering, why is this bush burning but not consumed. It is a woe moment. It is a, it is a repent moment. It is a, let me turn to see what's happening. Let me see what's going on here. And when he, when he has the woe moment, when he, when he has that repentance moment, meaning simply change his mind, then he has a low moment. Why? Because the, because the voice speaks out of the bush and says, take off your shoes for the ground you're standing on is holy ground. Humble yourself because now something's about to happen. So he has a woe moment, and then he has a low moment, and then he, God says, now I need you to go to Egypt. We have Mary. She is 14, 15, 16 years old. She's a teenager, just going through life, engaged, ready to get married to Joseph, and all of a sudden, she has a woe moment. Gabriel shows up and says to her, you are highly favored and you're going to bring forth the Messiah. Woe. See, the woe moment will always, the, the, the objective of the woe moment is to change the way you think. And sometimes we have a woe moment that's not so pleasant. We have a woe moment about ourselves. Mm. Let, me, let, me, let me just talk to the people online because you all are really saved here. Mm. How many of you in this room have ever been shocked at how angry you could get? How many of you have ever been shocked at what has come out of your mouth? Mm. Hmm. I, I remember, I didn't, I didn't curse, but you know what, I've been in church long enough that I can say a good word through my mouth and a curse word in my heart. 
Come on, folks. Come on, folks. Mm -hmm. Mm. Come on, you, you Westernians and, and you people from the continent of Africa, my brothers and sisters. You do know that when you suck your teeth, you're swearing. You know, suck your teeth. What do you mean? Nobody sucks their teeth when something good happens. Can I get a witness out there? And nobody, I won't go into the story because I don't want to embarrass them, but nobody sucks their teeth after their parents tell them to do something. <laughs> Some of you already have like, oh. <laughs> and so I remember I was driving and I, I said something because the driver did something that was not good. Now, the Bible says, it isn't amazing that we know the scriptures until the scriptures do not fit our situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For the scriptures say, bless those who curse you. Mm. And, and this driver did something that was just got on my nerve. And I'm going to put her on on. on on blast, because my daughter, Vanessa, she is so saved. <laughs> and I said something, and she said, Daddy, that's not nice. <laughs> have you ever had somebody, have you, I'm gonna look at this side, this is the, because you all are really saved. Have you ever had somebody tell you the right thing, but you ain't trying to hear it? I wanted to say to my dear, beautiful daughter, you better mind your business. I wanted to say to my beautiful daughter, would you like to take the bus? I wanted to say to my beautiful daughter that I have the power to lock the doors and the power to unlock the doors. And yet I heard the Holy Spirit speaking to me and saying, she's right. And I had to pray for a few moments to grab my composure and I got the victory because I used, I ceased to use further adjectives to describe the person yes. who was driving. Some of you sitting here said, I don't want to hear that right now. I want to you know, say what I want to say. Well, the, the point is, is that you, we all, that was a woe moment for me. And watch this. And was I going to humble myself? Ooh. Or was I going to be strong and wrong? Tell your neighbor, say, he's talking about you strong and wrong. Strong. Come on, folks. Have you ever been wrong and doubled down on your wrongness? 
I mean double down on your wrongness. Mm -hmm. You driving and you took the wrong turn and your spouse said, that's the wrong, your kids, that's the wrong turn. Ah, I know where I'm going. And you're driving, and you're like, man, and, and you're trying to figure out, okay, ooh, I took the wrong turn. How am I gonna how am I gonna change? How am I gonna save face with this one? Strong and wrong. Like, like, like if you got louder and 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 set your face that somehow you no know, rightness dust will fall on you. No, you're wrong. Just admit it. Strong and wrong. Oh, let me talk to some of you. You were in an outfit and your best friend says that doesn't go, but strong, you won't wear it anyways. And then you walk outside and the sunlight hits your outfit and you're like, oh Jesus. <laughs> but you're gonna say, no, I'm gonna wear this anyway, because you would rather, you would rather, oh, I am preaching to somebody. Don't worry, I wasn't in your conversation, but the Holy Spirit was. You would rather be wrong than apologize. Ooh, you're meddling in my business, Pastor. Just preach the word. Mm. We all have woe moments. The question is, when we get that woe moment, when we get that in your face, when we get that that time to really think about, I need to change my mind about this, change the way I think, to turn. Will I turn to humble myself and say I was wrong so that God can give me grace to do what's right? Ah. The Apostle Paul had a woe moment. He's riding to kill Christians because he thinks it's right. You know it in Acts chapter 9, I think it's 9, where he gets knocked off the beast and he has a woe moment. Paul, who are you? I'm Jesus who you crucify. Whoa, you're supposed to be dead. Whoa, I'm killing people who, who are calling on your name. So now Paul is <laughs> he's knocked off his beast, he's blind, and he has a woe moment, but he, watched this, he humbled himself. He says, what do you want me to do? After we have a woe moment, are we willing to say, God, what do you want me to do? I was doing my own thing, but I had a woe moment, what do you want me to do? And then his goal moment was go to the city. Ooh. <laughs> Man, you better preach Bishop Green. Go to the city, and when you get there, I'll tell you what's next. Somebody groaned already. Because if you were Paul, what do you want me to go to the city for? I'm blind. You better heal me right now. You, you, you want God to tell you how it's going to end when he's just going to tell you the next step. We, we walk by faith. Not, this, is not, this is not some triple jump faith. 
We walk by faith. It is step by step. And sometimes God says, I gave you enough faith to take the next step. But where, where's this all ending? Where's this heading to? God's like, it's none of your business. Isn't it interesting? We sing these songs that we don't mean. My life is in your hands. I knew that I can make it. And we're weeping. I know that I can. Well, it, well, it, well, if your life is in his hands, then why do you need to know the next step? Because, ah, because if, if your life is in his hands, he's going to carry you there. And, and God's steps are so much longer than ours. See, this, oh, I am pre, I, you know, you are preaching, but I know I am. See, that's why some of you haven't gotten to where God wants you to get. Because your life is not in God's hands. Your future, you're going to heaven, but your life is in your hands, so you, you, you're going like this. You ever see a baby? Baby's like, and you're like, oh, come on, buddy. And yeah, mommy. Yeah, mommy. And, and, and what happens many times, you just say, look, I'm going to need. <laughs> and that's what God wants to do. God wants to pick you up and get there faster. But usually you don't pick up a child until the child says, help, pick me up, pick me up. So you can, you can shuffle into 2023, 2024, 20, it's taking a long time to get there. Yes, I know, 2025, 2026, ah, 40 years old, 50 years old, 60 years old. Or you can have God pick you up and just let him carry you to where he wants to carry you. But you're going to have to get low. Whew. We had a go moment. We had a whoa moment here. Last point, and then we'll pray. So it's August, and most of you know August is my time I take off and have my little sabbatical vacation. And Sean Hope calls me. In 20, I think it's 20, 2013. And he says, Bishop, there's a church that's for sale. And this is the last Sunday that they're going to be open, so you need to visit this church. So there's a whoa moment, meaning, whoa, I'm on vacation. Whoa, it's August. Whoa, it's a... Church is the last place I want to be in in August. Just being real. And I heard the Lord say, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to change your mind? So I come here in this church, this building, and I have a whoa moment like, wow, this is in pretty bad shape. And then the Lord says, humble yourself. And see what I see. 
So later on, we took a, I mean, th this place was really bad. And then I went to the fellowship hall, and that was even worse. There were three commodes in the kitchen. Jesus. And then I went lower to the basement, and that was even worse. And I heard the Lord say to me, he dropped Haggai, chapter 2, verse 9. He said, will you fix my house? And he said, the glory of this latter house is going to be greater than this. He said, I want to fix my house, but I need a vehicle to do it through. Will your church be the vehicle? And I said, yes, Lord, we will. And then they told us the price was $2.3 million. And I said, well, maybe we won't. <laughs> now, God, see, this is why God saves us from ourselves, because 10 months before that, we had just purchased 345 Washington Street. And I got mad at God because I said, God, if you were to put this church on sale before 345 Washington Street, I would have never had the church by 345 Washington Street. And he said, exactly. Because my ways are not your ways. And then the Lord said, are you ready to go? I said, yes. And he said, offer them $1.5 million, $800,000 less than the price. And of course, we obeyed God. Because God, see, the thing about God is when he says go, he's already prepared the destination for your arrival. Ooh, that was, well, I got to say that again. When he says go, he already has people in place ready to facilitate your arrival. He has the person who's selling the house. He has the person who's interviewing you. He has the person who's reviewing your application for college. He already has it all set. He just needs you to arrive. There are some things that God is saying, you know, He's saying, like, man, when are they going to get there? I, I, got, I got everything in place. I, got, I have moved people from across the country to make sure that you get what I have for you, but you need to go. So we offered the 1.5, and they were so mad, they refused to eat. They didn't even call back. And I said, well, God, I did what you said. See, the beautiful thing about God is that God can ask you to do something so crazy that all you can say is, okay, I'll do it. I got nothing to lose. Three months later, you know the story, they call us back, and they said, well, actually two months later, they call us back and said, we're going to drop the price, $700,000, to one6 and because God gave us the price, some of you, most, some of you heard the story, I said, no, we can't do that. And the realtor got upset with me, like, how could you turn this down? They just dropped the price $700,000, and the Lord said, no, 
Then a month later, they dropped it down to 1.5. So I would have I wasted $100,000 of God's money if it wasn't listening. So now we have two pieces of property that we bought within 10 months of each other. And we got a, a loan for 10 years to get because it was a low interest rate with the mindset of, hey, in 10 years, we'll remortgage and pay off the rest of the balance. And you know the story that God, in the middle of a pandemic, allowed us to pay for 345 Washington Street in eight years. And this year, we paid off the mortgage of $635,000. So we are debt-free in the middle of a pandemic. I say that to say that God wants to tell his story of grace through your life if you would go. If you would go. Let me share one more story and then we'll pray. I bumped into, uh, some of you know Pastor Zenzo Matega. He pastors Impact Church. and We bumped into each other. and I was on my walk. And we bumped into each other. And while we're talking, you know, he says, man, I tried to buy a house in Arlington, and I couldn't even touch the prices. And I said, let me tell you a story. So when my wife and I, uh, when the Lord called me to full-time ministry, God says, I want you to leave your job as a budget analyst for Cambridge Hospital. I want you to take the job Pastor in Pentecostal Tabernacle, which will cut your pay down by 25%. Well, actually, 25, more than 25%. And then I still want you to buy a house in Arlington. I said, you're crazy, God. <laughs> Can I be honest with you? I looked at, we looked at 29 houses. And you know, some of you know the story, but I can do it again. Uh, so we went to Bill Ricker where we could afford. And the Holy Spirit said, um, do you know how to spell? I said, Arlington. And I had, to, I had another argue with God, Sister Ruth. I said, God, I can't afford Arlington. Don't you see these prices? And God was saying, it's not for you to worry about the price. It's for you to obey. So I went back to Arlington, and on Thanksgiving morning, 1995, the realtor said, hey, I got a house that I want you to look at. And I said to my loving, supportive wife, let's go and look at this house. And she said, <laughs> it's Thanksgiving. I'm staying in bed, you go look at it. <laughs> I looked at the house, when I walked in, the Lord said, this is your house. And I said, yes, Lord, but you need to speak to Carmen. <laughs> and I'll never forget, I brought Carmen to the house, and she said, I don't know what it is. I just like this house. <laughs> I was like, yes, Lord. <laughs> now we're talking about price. And the owner 
said, we just like you. So we're going to drop the price, $10,000, just for you. And that's how we got into our house. And, and, and so I can testify about it because God did it. Let me close with you preaching. You're going to preach this last part for me. Turn to the person next to you and say, my friend, what miracle is God waiting to do through you if you would just go? I guess you didn't like the way that person preached, so turn to another neighbor. <laughs> Let, let's stand. I don't know what God, I, I, something is about to happen through this church. Is there anybody feeling like we're on the verge of something. And I want to be ready when Jesus comes. No, no, no I'm, talk, I'm not talking about going to heaven. I got a few, I got, I got at least 27 years left. I'm living to at least 90. That's a promise of the Lord. Now the quality of life, that's why I got to keep myself in shape because 90 can look, anyways, I want to, I want to look like, I want to, I want to, I want to, I, I want to look like Denver's grandmother. Yes, I do. Yeah. So, I, I, I want to be ready when Jesus comes. Meaning that Jesus is about to come and do something. And I, I, I want to be a part of what he does. I don't want to be looking on. I don't want to be writing about somebody else's story. I want us to tell our own story. Something is about to happen. And God is saying in the old phrase in the 90s of T.D. Jakes, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Let me close with this. Could you put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you or rub elbows or whatever they feel comfortable with? You can ask them first because I, I want you to pray just two minutes for the person next to you. What does pray mean? Just, just ask God to do for them what you would like God to do for you. Because some people say, I can't pray. Yes, you can pray. You can say, Lord, help them. Lord, strengthen them. Lord, keep them in good health. Lord, increase their faith. Lord, bless them. Come on, I'm, I'm giving you help, but some of you don't need help. Pray for the person right next because God is about to do something. He, he is putting us in position. He is putting you in, in position, maybe in certain schools or some of you, you're in this church because God is positioning you. You're, you're in a certain job because God is positioning you. You're not allowed to quit a certain job because God has positioned you. You moved into a certain neighborhood. You got a certain neighbor. You moved into a certain apartment. You got a certain roommate. God is positioning you. 
So we pray, God, for patience to stay where we're supposed to stay, our courage to go where we're supposed to go. We pray for joy to serve you in a horrible situation because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And, and the devil is trying to intimidate us to leave the place that Jesus is preparing for us. He is the God of the turnaround. And you have no idea when God is going to come into your prison like he, hey, like he did with Joseph and said, hey, it's time for you to enter into the palace. God moved so quickly for Joseph that he wasn't even dressed for the occasion. Oh, God is at work. Even when you don't see it, he is working. He's working on people's hearts. He's working on your situation. He's having people change jobs so that you will get favor. He's, he's moving people into certain jobs so that you can share Christ with them. There are some people who will not receive Christ until they hear from you, and that's why you got to go. Go on your job. Go in your neighborhood. Go in your school. Go wherever God is leading you. Oh, Spirit of God. There are some people who may be in Dana Park in the, in the next few moments who they will not receive anything from us, but they will receive it from you because God is sending you specifically to talk to them. Oh, Spirit of God. Thank you, Lord, for a church that's willing to go, that's willing to go. We don't have to go everywhere. We just need to go where you sent us. Oh, bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Jesus. Some of your, your, your profession, where, where you work, that's your mission field. Your roommate, your mission field. Your apartment, your mission field. Your house is your mission field. People God is sending into your life. Some of you shop the same place over and over until you've gotten to know the, 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 the service people. Why do you think that is? Is that just for you to say hi? No, God is saying, this is the person I'm sending to you. You can reach. Go, go, go. Oh, Spirit of God. And if you go, I will give you such grace and such favor that it will shock you how I use you. It'll shock you the doors I open for you. It'll shock you the way I make for you. It'll shock you because you'll have favor. You'll feel like, my goodness, how am I taking giant steps? It's because I'm carrying you. It's because truly you place your life in my hands. Oh, God, I'm so excited. Oh. Mmm. Mmm. Some of you are watching online. You didn't even attend to watch, but God is, God put you on this YouTube station just so that you can hear this word because he's saying go. Stop procrastinating. Stop downgrading yourself. 
stop, stop speaking negative about yourself. God has chose you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? Greater is he that is in you than Satan who opposes you. Woo! Oh, Jesus. Oh. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. There's grace. There is grace. Mm. My God. God, oh man, Jesus. My God. I might have a different kind of altar call. It's just a weird one, but I really feel like I might have hit a nerve when I said there's a sense that something's about to happen. And, and, and the best way I can articulate this is if, if in your spirit you feel there's something about to happen and I know God is getting me ready for it and I'm ready to go, if that's you, I want you to come up and I just want to bless you in, in your going. If you just, you're sensing, you know, there's something in the air, something, uh, I, I know my circumstances are saying something else, but I, I, I just sense that something is happening, something is moving, something, something is stirring. Yeah, there's, there's crazy stuff going around, go, happening around me, but, but something is about to happen and something good like this isn't this isn't oh god help no you you're sensing something's about to happen let me tell you something and and I hope I don't say this in a negative sense but I was I was invited to to uh, speak at the retirement party for the uh, city man, the former city manager of Cambridge. He, in Cambridge, the mayor does not run the city. The, the, the city manager runs the city. 
And I wanted to say no because, to be honest with you, that's just not my crowd. <laughs> but there are a lot of powerful mukti mucks there. And, and to be honest with you, I know I'm, I'm, a fake, I'm a fake extrovert. Like after this, you know, you'll probably, where did Bishop go? I, I, I just like to be by myself. So I'm not a smoozer. And I walk in there and I'm looking for, you know, looking for a familiar face, looking for a table just to sit. So I didn't want to go. He asked me, he wanted me to give remarks. And I, and I so did not want to go, so I, I, I texted uh, Shauna, my executive pastor, and Sister Debbie. And I said, you know how you can ask a question but put it in a way that you get the answer you want to get? Well, you know, they want and, and I get a text back immediately from Sister Debbie, like, you need to go. And I was like, oh, man. So I went. And they told me you're going to be the last speaker and give the benediction. So I said, okay, I could do that. I could listen to what everybody else says, and then I'll do my thing. And then they called me that day, and they say, you're going to be first. And I was like, now my heart is beating. Because this is not like preaching. It's like this is a different crowd. So I give my remarks. And, and then... City manager, Louis de Pasquale, he gets up and he gives his closing remarks. Thank you. This thing. And then he says, I thought it was going to fall on my chair. He says, and I want to give special thanks to Bishop Brian Green because whenever the city needed something, his church was there to help. And then they gave an ovation. And I, I, I was... I was dumbfounded. And the Lord was saying, what if you didn't go? And he was saying, by my grace, I am honoring this church. He has taken us someplace. It's not because we deserve, we're not the biggest church, but for some reason, we are one of the churches that God has his hand upon. And I don't know about you, but I want to see how this thing ends if we do what God tells us to do. I want to see what career you end up in, what house you end up in, what lives you end up touching, who gets saved under your ministry. How is, what's going to happen in the end? Because you said to God, I sense something is happening and I want to be ready when Jesus comes. Because he's coming. And he's coming quickly. I'm not talking about the second coming. I'm talking about he is coming to do something right now. That's why the fight has been so difficult. The devil's a bully. He's trying to get you to back up. But if you keep going, weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. This has been one of the most hardest years of ministry I've had in my life. The stress, the, the I mean... The, this year, I'm, I'm like, I need a therapist. It, is, it, is, it has been a tough year. But I know 
that if I hold firmly to the profession of my faith without wavering, he is faithful who has promised. And so, Father, I bless each and every individual who is at this altar right now. Because what they're sensing has nothing to do with Brian Green or a motivational speech. But Lord, I, I feel, yes, Holy Spirit, I feel like there are some Elizabeths who are standing at this altar. And like Mary, when she came to visit Elizabeth to confirm what God was doing, that as soon, hey, as soon as Mary spoke, the baby in Elizabeth leaped up at the voice of promise, the voice of hope. And I sense, Lord, that something in this message hey, caused something in their spirit of the people up in this altar, something to leap to say, yes, what I put in you is still alive and kicking. What I put in you is from the Holy Spirit. Don't turn back. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Because in the end, I'm going to get glory out of what comes out of your life. Oh, God. And so I'm asking you, Lord, that you would, the scripture talks about multiplied grace. I ask that you would multiply grace on those who are standing here. Not simply the grace of favor but the grace to give them the ability to fight through some things. Because <laughs> you said to Paul, Paul said, three times I begged you to take this thorn out of my flesh, and you said my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, glory God, by God in your weakness, because when you are weak, that's when you're made strong. And so, Lord, even as we go out of these doors, whether we go home or we go to work or we go to Dana Park, wherever we go, help us to have the mentality that it's time to go. It's time to bless. It's time to minister. It's time to do what God has called me to do and leave. Let the chips fall where they will. Let the doctor's report fall where it will. Where the application, let it fall where it will. Let my finances fall where it will. I'm just going to go with what you sent me with. And hey, and what you sent me with is far better than money. It's better than talent. It's better. What you sent me with is your word. Is your word. Is your promises. And I'm standing on your promises. Because Numbers 23, 19, you're not a man that you should lie. If you said it, you will do it. If you speak it, you will make it good. And so, Father, we thank you for your grace. We bless your people with, with, a, with a thrush from the Holy Spirit to go into places that they used to fear going, go into places that they procrastinated going. And I'm not talking about physical places. I'm talking about spares and in places that they would not normally go. Because just like me, I would have never thought that I would have been honored in such a huge room in a Sinesta. Now, 
there's a bunch of people who know who I am and who know who the church is that wouldn't have known prior to that simply because you told me to go. And this is not to give Brian glory. I can't get glory because I didn't want to go. And so, Father, there's going to be places where these individuals are going to walk in serendipitously. <laughs> and they're not going to be able to take credit for the blessings and the, and the enlargement of, in, of, of influence that they have because the only reason they got there is because you led them. So we bless them, Lord. And so now I pray that I bless you right now. May the peace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ go with you this week, wherever he may send you. May the Holy Spirit guide you through the wilderness where life is simply out of your control. May God protect you through any storm of life you may encounter this week. May the Holy Spirit bring you home with rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. And may the Holy Spirit bring you back here with rejoicing when you come through these doors again by his grace. I bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody say, I receive that blessing. God bless you and then expect some things to happen before this year is over.